Come on, let's give Jesus one more shout of praise this morning. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your generosity to us, Lord. Father, tonight, we, uh, this morning, we just bless this offering. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that Your hand of blessing would remain strong over every household represented here today in Jesus' Name. We thank You, Lord, that You have given us the gift of foresight, that one day that You will recompense us. Father, I just bless every household here today in Jesus' Name. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. Just remain standing on your feet just before you sit down. Uh, just next Sunday, I encourage you to turn out. Come to the conference. Be there. The Sunday, uh, this next Sunday, there'll be a few of us away just picking people up because the conference starts on, on Monday morning. And uh, so I encourage you to be here on Sunday. Be here on time. It's just going to be a fantastic event. And also come to the conference. If you have not registered, register. We've got people coming from all over. The registrations are already around the, about the 1300 mark. And I believe they're going to climb. So you do not want to be in a place where you are, I wish I should have got my ticket earlier. All right, be there. And with this morning, we've got a great, um, great man of God's going to bring the word. Of course, our founding pastor, Apostle Mike Connell. Why don't we give him a big round of applause this morning? Thank you, Lord. Hey, man, let's be seated. Great to be back again. We've had a great time overseas and uh, various nations and seen God move and many, many lives touched. And uh, looking forward, this is so exciting. I want to thank all of those who have been participating and making uh, possible just this coming conference. It's the biggest one we've done, and uh, we've done a few conferences over the years, but this one is the biggest and the best. It is the biggest and the best. Biggest and the best. They don't want to miss it. So take time off. Take time off school. Take time off church. Take time off whatever. Just take time off. Be there. You know, you don't want to say, as David said, oh, I wish I was there. Uh, we want to be there at the time when God is moving. And uh, I want to speak today, I want to talk about impartation. And I want to share uh, and prepare your hearts so that what happens has maximum impact. Because I have been around long enough to see people come and people go. I've seen meetings, I've seen ministries, I've seen people have hands laid on them and there was no fruit at all in their life. I've seen people, hands were laid on them and they began and have gone into the world and their ministries in various parts of the world. So there must be some reasons for this. And I want us as a church to be prepared to receive the maximum. And I want to show you how that takes place. There's some things we need to understand. So let's have a look first of all. I'm going to look in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18. And uh, uh, <clears throat> recently we had, uh, we've had something quite unusual happen in our area. One is that we've had uh, two prophets come in from overseas who... God spoke to them to come to this place, to this city, Hastings. And then uh, we have also had uh, the situation happen where Apostle Maldonado, where there was an amazing supernatural connection I had with him, and he had on his heart for three years to come to this area as well. And uh, that's no coincidence. That means God is doing something. So the question is then, how do you respond to what God is doing? And uh, one of the things we need to understand about prophecies We've received many prophecies recently as a church. Some of you have received prophecies as individuals, and they've been extraordinarily accurate and amazing destiny prophecies about what God wants to do. However, here's something you need to understand. It is not automatic that they come to pass. There are some things in the Bible, there are prophetic words that God has spoken that will come to pass. Nothing we can do can stop that. Jesus will come again. Okay? But there are other prophetic words 
which even if no condition is implied, there is always a condition implied. In other words, you must do something with what you're given. Let's read in 1 Timothy 1 verse 18, it says, uh, this charge or responsibility or commission uh, or assignment, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience. Now notice here, he says that you must war a good warfare. And the word warfare there is the word uh, a military assignment or commission. So what Paul is saying, is he's saying, Timothy, the prophetic word came by the Spirit of God that revealed and uncovered the assignment God had for you. We need the prophetic word to flow to discover what God has called us to do. You can drift through your life and waste your life, or you can realize I'm here for a purpose and reach out to God to discover your purpose. Sometimes that purpose is discovered by the prophetic word. And so what he's saying here essentially is this, there's a prophetic word, but the fulfillment requires that you contend. Notice he says you wore a good warfare by the prophetic word. In other words, it requires that when God speaks to us, we make a response. It's important how we respond. Don't just be like a dead fish. Nothing's going to happen for you. It will come and go and it won't change you. We need to be responsive to what God does. We need to have a heart that's discerning what God is up to. So if you come to a church, you come to a service, or you're coming to encounter God. If you're coming to encounter God, then your thing is in your heart, what is God up to today? What is God wanting to say to me today? What is God touching and quickening in my spirit? What is God trying to do? I want to respond. It's out of a life of responding to God, your life changes. See, It's our response. So warfare means there is a resistance. You need to understand this, that whatever God has assigned for you is a wonderful calling for your life. That whatever God has called you to accomplish with your life will bring glory to Him and blessing to people. But there is a warfare around it. Spiritual powers are assigned to hinder you, stop you, prevent you, discourage you, dishearten you, resist you, so you get distracted, lose your focus, and take another direction with your life. We've been around long enough to see many people take another direction with their life. I want to finish my life fully in the plan of God. I want to finish my life fully in the will of God. I don't want to say, well, I did fine for 30 years and then lost the way. I don't want to end up saying, oh, well, I was really passionate for a number of years, but then I kind of got tired and weary and gave up. You, you want to stay full of passion. Passion is connected to our relationship. Passion is connected to a focus in our life. This is what I'm called to do. I want my life to count. So there's a warfare around your destiny. God has a plan for your life, a plan for your marriage, a plan for your finances, plans for your future, plans for your welfare, plans that you will prosper. The devil has another plan, steal, kill and destroy and take it all away. You have to contend. You have to get something in you that rise up and said, I will hold what God said to me. I will apply myself to the Word of God. I will stand up and fight that what God said, I will do. If God has called you to preach, it won't happen unless you stand up and start to prepare. You've got to do something with what God, you've got to respond. 
So when God gives you a prophetic word, don't say, oh, oh that was wonderful. Well, maybe that's so. Maybe you even fell over as well. But what do you do when you get back up on your feet? What do you do Monday after Sunday? What will you do to apply what God is revealing to you? What will you do to move in response? That is always the situation. Eh? So why is it that the ministry of the apostle and the prophet is so important? We find that in Ephesians 2 and verse 18. Ephesians 2, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 to 22. And uh, the Bible tells us uh, in God's Word, it says in verse 19, it says, now you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but you're fellow, fellow citizens with the saints and with the members of the household of God. Now notice it tells us that when you got born again, you're not stranger to God. Now you're not a foreigner to the kingdom of God. You're now a fellow citizen. You actually belong to a kingdom and some of them are gone ahead and are in heaven. Some of them are on the earth down here and you're part of something that is global. Don't be small. Don't live in a small region and get small in your thinking. You can live in a small region and get big in your thinking. You get big as you embrace the kingdom, as you embrace God's vision for your life. It says you're part of something big, and it says you're built. Notice what it says. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and home the whole building, fitted together, grows to a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you're being built together for a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. So let's first of all start off with what is God trying to accomplish? God is wanting to build people so He can make a group of people united that do the things that enable Him to inhabit the atmosphere around us. You, we are being built to become a habitation of God. You haven't seen it yet. You haven't even begun to see it yet. You've only just seen touches of it. But you, we're being built by God to become a worshipping, loving community to represent Him. Why? Because He wants the house to become His habitation. What does that look like? It means the atmosphere is charged with the supernatural presence of God. It means the atmosphere is ready for miracles. It means when people walk in here, they say God is here. When people walk in here, they begin to weep and their heart gets touched by the presence of God. When they're sitting there in the seat, God heals them. The miracle that the doctor said was impossible comes to them. Their deliverance takes place. They walk out and they're different. That's what that means. When the church becomes a habitation of God, then the people go out changed and they make an influence. The community changes. Our community won't be changed by a change of government. It'll be changed when the house of God truly is a habitation of God and people come because God is here. God is here. We're not there yet. How many know we're not there yet? I don't see anyone bringing a dead body in yet. They? To be raised from the dead. In Vietnam, they're doing that. They're bringing people that the hospital says they're hopeless cases. They truck them off to the church and they get healed because the church has become the habitation of God. See, for the people who are in hospital, for the people who have terminal disease, this is everything that the church becomes a place, not where God just comes and touches us, but every time we gather, the presence of God supernaturally touches people. That is what God is building. That is what God is building. And He's building that with people. He's building it with you. 
That's why you're important. It says, notice this, it says the foundation for that building is the ministry of the apostle and the prophet. Not the pastor, not a teacher, not the evangelist, not people serving. There's a certain thing that God has put upon apostles and prophets. There's a supernatural empowerment and authority He's given them that enables them to do something no one else can do. That's why I want you to be there. I want you to be at the conference because this man who's coming, you're not just an ordinary apostle, he's a global apostle who activates people in the supernatural globally. I want you there because I want you to get something. I want you to get something in your spirit that changes your life. So we become the habitation of God at a greater level. So miracles start to flow out of the congregation. We're in your workplace, wherever you are. Foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The church globally struggles to receive these ministries. But they're extraordinary when they function properly. Extraordinary when they function properly. Extraordinary supernatural. They carry a mantle or an authority in the spirit that causes shifts in the supernatural. That's, that's what makes the difference. It's not about having a meeting. It's about a man, a person with a gift on their life, a mantle on their life, an authorization on their life to bring about a shift. Now, you can pray all you like. You won't get the shift that an apostle can get. You see, that's why the church has to be built on that. It needs to be connected to apostles and apostolic ministries so that there's a flow of that anointing that shifts the way of thinking and increases the realm of the supernatural in our life and ministry. Don't settle for what you've got. How could you settle for so low when you only have to read the Bible and see how different it was there? Peter the apostle, as he walked and his shadow fell on people, they were healed. We have far to go, but we get there in incremental steps. You get there as you pursue growth and change. So why is it then that the ministry of the apostle is so important? Let's have a look in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, now God has appointed some in the church. So God appoints people. You don't appoint yourself. If you appoint yourself, then you've got to keep yourself going and promote yourself and sustain yourself. But if God appoints you, then God backs you up. And God appoints who He chooses. So you can't choose, well, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. We have to hear what God says, this is what I've called you to be and to do. So it says God appoints some, not everyone, but appoints some. It says some in the church and appoints some of them. It says, uh, it says God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles. I haven't seen pastor yet. After that, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues, and so on. And notice what it's saying the first three rankings are. He says, number one, apostle, number two, prophet, number three, teacher. There is a reason for that ranking. Now, you understand that all people are created, we're all equal. God, in God's eyes, we're of equal value, but we are different in function. So when God takes a person and puts a mantle on them, and puts an apostolic mantle on them, it says God has set some in the church, firstly, apostles. Now, the word first means first in rank. First in uh, preeminence. It means first in spiritual authority. It means to carry a ranking in the spirit that's above that of a prophet or a teacher or so on. So the apostle has got his own assignment, what he's called to do. A prophet, 
is called to bring people revelation of God, not just a prophetic word, not just prophesy over people, but to bring people into encounters with God and to shift things in the spirit that stop them encountering God. So they start to become a people that learn to live with God, build relationship with God. The call of the prophet is always to bring people to repentance out of witchcraft and all kinds of things like that and bring them into engagements and encounters and experiences. So they start to become positioned to hear God. They come into a relationship. The teacher, his ministry is to establish the principles by which you live and walk in the kingdom. If you haven't got principles to live by, if you don't understand the principles of the kingdom, you just live according to your old ways and thoughts and copy the world and get the same results they get. So we need, but we need the apostle. It says, God has set, firstly, the apostle, first, eh? first in rank. When Jesus chose 12 men, what did he choose? Well, I think I know what I'll do. I'll choose one to be an apostle, one to be a prophet, one will work miracles, one will teach, one will do. No, he didn't choose that. He chose 12 men, all to be apostles. Say, you didn't choose them to be pastors. Pastors have a role which is vital and important, but it's different to an apostolic role. An apostolic role thinks at a different level and engages God in a different way. Uh, a pastor will be concerned with gathering the church together, nurturing the church, building connections, relationships, bringing the church to build like a family so it becomes a family. So the young ones are loved, people are healed, people are restored, people are gathered into a community where they're loved and valued. That is the work of a pastor. It's to feed and nurture the flock. See, the work of a, an apostle is quite different. See, the work of an apostle is to discover what God has assigned a church to do and called a church to do, and then to equip and prepare them to do it. So while the pastor is concerned with gathering people, an apostle is concerned with maturing people. He wants you to grow up and stop being babies, just to put it simply. An apostle wants to shift people so they become uh, they become activated into the assignments God has called them to fulfill. When the church is intentionally pastoral, everyone is needy and they remain immature. And they want prayer and they want counseling, they want altar call, they want all kinds of stuff. But God is wanting to move you from hospital into the front line where you're advancing the kingdom. You're engaged in mission. Oh. See? So, so in Mark 3, 14, it says Jesus uh, chose 12 and he appointed or he commissioned or chose the 12 that they were, might be with him. Now, why did he choose them to be with him? Because all ministries are formed out of relationship with Christ. You can't substitute your personal relationship with God with anything else. He said, and then he might send them. And that word send is to apostolically commission. Now, the thing with the word apostolic is you can't translate it. That's why they use the word apostolic. The original word was apostello. And they had no way that they could put a word in English that would help you understand what that meant. So they just wrote the word apostle. See? But what it really meant to the people who heard it was a general would go to, a, a Roman general would go to a new territory and they would overcome resistance by opposing armies. They would conquer the territory and they would establish the kingdom of Rome and the Roman rule and culture and ways in that territory. And they said that when a person was sent like that, that was what apostolic meant. It was to be sent on an assignment to change a territory. See? So Jesus chose them that he might send them on an assignment to change the world. See? And how would they do that? 
and he said, and that he might give them power to heal the sick and authority and power over demons. So one of the things about the apostolic ministry is that there is always an accompanying miracles and there's always accompanying deliverance takes place. That's what is a part of the ministry because it's needed to advance the kingdom. You can share with people all you like, but if they're sick and you're praying they get healed, they listen. Who, who can argue with it? Who can argue with it? Even in the New Testament, they were totally against Jesus. They were totally against, uh, in the book of Acts, against his ministry. Yet, they said, who can argue that a notable miracle has been done? Can you understand? Who can argue with a miracle? Well, someone who's raised from the dead, who can argue with that? Well, you can't argue with it. What they did was they said, let's kill him. Get rid of him. We'll put him back to dead again. See, you understand, that's the nature. When, when a notable miracle, when things happen, the deaf ears hear, the blind see, people have got cancers are healed, all these sort of things, they create a testimony, God is alive. The church needs the apostolic ministry, and that's to, to commission and send people out. So the purpose of the apostolic ministry, there's a number of reasons for it, then I'll get to how to receive from it. So let me just give you some of the, some of the, the reasons for it. We found, if we go and look in Acts chapter 19, Acts 19, look at a couple of verses in Acts you see these guys in action, then you see what happened. So in Acts chapter 19, verse 11, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So even they gave him handkerchiefs, they brought him to his, uh, from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, evil spirits went out of them. Unusual miracles took place. So you notice that uh, apostles, an apostle, a true apostle, not just someone who calls himself that, they have a commission from God, it came not by their choice. It came because God spoke. In Acts 13, God spoke to the church who was praying and fasting and said, separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work I have called them to. In other words, they didn't say, I think I've done this long enough. I might be an apostle now. They didn't do that. There was a prophetic word activated, a call they already had. And now they're set apart or separated for that call God has a purpose for them, and they expanded the church right through the Gentile world. And they did it with signs and wonders and miracles. And wherever Paul went, there were miracles. Wherever the apostles went, there were miracles, unusual miracles done. And so, number one, apostles break open the spirit realm. They confront entrenched spirit powers that rule regions and keep people impoverished and in bondage and in sickness and in torment. So when an apostle comes, like when Paul came into uh, into, uh, into the cities, there was an upheaval. Have you ever thought, why is it that wherever Paul went, everyone got mad at him, wanted to kill him? Especially the people who were making money selling idols. Because he showed the idols were nothing. He delivered people from the demons and they came to Christ. And the people said, we're losing money. We need to kill the guy. Do so you understand that an apostolic, a true apostolic ministry will create a momentum in the spirit? There's a shifting in the spirit world, and there are, uh, people get delivered. They just get delivered. There's massive deliverances take place. And as a result of that, the, the, the demonic powers are, are, are start to be brought down. So secondly, is there is a release of miracles uh, in, in all kinds. The miracles, signs, and wonders are released. You find that in Acts 19. You find it in Acts 4. Let's have a look in Acts 4, and you find the same thing there with the apostles there. Acts 4. And uh, let's read it in Acts chapter 4, verse 35. And it said uh, they, uh, <clears throat> if I can find it there. 
Oh, there are verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So you find frequently there are references to the apostles working great miracles. In verse 12 of chapter 5, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And then, if you look in Acts chapter 6, then you start to find the deacons in the church doing the miracles. So you notice now, there's a progression. The apostles have shaken the spirit world. Then they've started to release miracles and uh, signs and wonders and deliverances. And then they start to impart to people. So another key function of, of the uh, apostle is to activate the believers, to activate believers, to activate them into their gifts and abilities. We need to understand that. So uh, one of the key roles is to set you on fire with a passion to serve God and to get you anointed so that you can start to do something that advances the kingdom of God. So this is one of the great things that they do. They impart. They impart anointings to people. So you find when an apostle is working, the people around them also do the same stuff. They do deliverances, they do healings, they do miracles, they, they actually move in the same, because the anointing on him has flowed down and has now started to touch their lives. That's why apostles are so necessary. And we find also apostles are needed to establish the church. Let's have a look in, uh, in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, and look what Paul says, and this is the bit I want to pick up and focus on now. We could focus or, or develop any one of those things. But I want to pick up this one here on Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. And Paul is writing to the Roman church. He said, I long to see you. Now, you're not saying, well, I don't want to come along. We'll eat and drink and have some talks and fun and laugh and have a bit of prayer. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, I long to see you that I may impart to you a spiritual gift for the purpose or end that you may become established. So notice what he's saying here. One of the key roles of, a, of an apostle is to impart spiritual gifts. So that raises the question, what does it mean to impart? How does it take place? And what do I need to do after that has happened? The idea? And ask the question, see? So it says, he, he comes to impart. He said, I want to impart a spiritual gift to you. So the word impart means to take something that's mine and to put a share of it in you. Now, one of the things about the things in the world is if you give away something, you've got less. But in things of the Spirit, whenever you give, you get more. It works differently. Otherwise, you think, I'm not giving away what I got. <laughs> Why am I giving it away? No, one of the things about the kingdom of God is as you release what God has given you, God adds more back to you. So you never diminish. You actually increase as a result of giving. Think about that for a moment. You can wait around until you get so anointed that you're just on fire, or you can take what you've got and pour it out and expect God to give you more so you increase. There's a lot of people waiting around, and I don't notice them getting any better. But if we were active with what we had, then God would increase what we have because the things of the Spirit are growing and developed. But you also have to receive them. Notice what it says, uh, how we respond to the ministry determines what we receive. So we've already told you we have an apostle coming. Now, how you respond to him will determine the measure of what you can receive. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. In Mark 6 and verse 4 to 6, it said, Jesus came to his own hometown. Now, notice what it says here very carefully. Notice these words it says. 
but he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Now, when it's talking mighty work, he's talking creative miracles. Mighty works, not just ordinary works, like a, a back was healed. We're talking about a limb restored, an organ restored. We're talking mighty works. And you can imagine Jesus going to his hometown. He knows everyone there. He knows all the people. He knows the people that are sick. He knows the people in desperate need of a miracle. He must have been filled with enthusiasm to come to this place. But it says he could do no mighty work there. However, he did lay his hand on a few people and they were healed. Now notice, healings, mighty works. A few healed, mighty works. Now, which would you rather have? Mighty works, a few healed. And why, why is it that Jesus in that place, there were no mighty works, and it says he was unable to do it. Not that he didn't want to, he couldn't do it. Why could he not do it? Because of the attitude and response of the people to him. They only saw the man. They couldn't see what he carried. They only saw the human vessel. And they began to say, well, we know his brothers, and so we know his background. And so, and so what happens is, is that they despised and dishonored him. Now, when you dishonor people, you shut down them giving what they have. If we despise one another and the immaturity or the level we're operating at, then what happens is we stop the gifts being released to one another. Honor is what makes it possible for the giftings of God to be released. So definitely, as the apostle comes to New Zealand, there's going to be all range of how people are affected by this. I want us as a church to get the best. So come with hunger. Come with honor. Come with thirst. Come desiring. Come, God, give it to me. I want to receive. In Matthew 10, verse 40 and 41, and Jesus said, whoever receives you receives me. Now, how about that? You see, you may think you want to have your own thing with Jesus and get it all there, but Jesus equips people to help you, and if you don't receive them, then you don't receive him. You can't get what he wants to give you through that person. So God has chosen ministries in the body of Christ who are given a portion of what he has so that they can impart to us. And so those who receive the ministry receive the one who sent the ministry. See, you receive. Remember we had trouble in, America, in New Zealand a while ago in terms of... Uh, Israel, there were some reactions made against Israel, and so they felt they weren't received. They withdrew their ambassador. And then there had to be a repair work take place, and then when there was a, an establishing of honor again, then the, the ambassador was returned again. It works in the natural like that. See? And Jesus said, whoever receives a prophet in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward. Now, there's two words there, word receive. Now, one of the things that happens sometimes when they translate, they miss it. And let me just show you what, what the first one is. If you receive a prophet, that word there is a word meaning to welcome into friendship, to welcome into one's family, to receive favorably and embrace the one who's been sent. So it said, if you receive favorably like a friend into your family, someone I have sent. Then it says, then you receive the prophet's reward. And that word receive is a different word again. It means then you take hold of something he has to give you. Now, that works at every level. How you receive people, welcome them, embrace them, warmly receive them into your heart and open your life to them, that determines what you can take from the ministry they have. 
And one dilemma we have in New Zealand is people struggle over that issue of honor. And so it doesn't release ministries, often they go elsewhere. So there are different levels of apostolic authority and, 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 and uh, anointing. Some are for a small town, some are for a region, some are for a bigger city, some are for a nation, some are globally. And this apostle is a global apostle. That means he carries something which is far bigger than I would carry. He carries a greater dimension of authority in the spirit. And so we have the opportunity to receive from something which is much, much bigger than what we'd have. See? And when you receive, then what happens is if we develop it, then it changes who we are. See? So because the anointing and, and mantle and jurisdiction on my life encompasses nations, the church has gone out into the world. So from Hastings, people have gone into multiple countries all over the world and impacted thousands upon thousands of people and continue to do so. That's because the mantle on my life that activates something in the church. Get an idea. All right. So what does it mean when it says impart? He says, I long to impart something to you. That word impart means just take something that belongs to me and to share it with you, to give you a portion of what I have so you don't have to pay the price, you get a head start. So to impart means head start. It means you get a, a push up. You're not starting on zero now. You're starting up there about two, three, four, five, depending on what you receive. And so, so uh, of course, through the Bible, as many people received impartations and carried the mantle of someone. There, there's a whole heap of them. Moses laid hands on, uh, on Joshua. Uh, Elijah laid hands or imparted to Elisha. Uh, Jesus imparted to the apostles. He imparted to the disciples. Paul did it to uh, Timothy. It, it, there's, a, there's a process of apostles impart and release a portion of what they have, and then others can do what they have. In the, in the, in the Old Testament, it says uh, Moses gathered 70 elders. He gathered them to himself, and when he gathered them to himself, he laid hands on them, and the Spirit, God took the Spirit anointing on him and put it on all of them, and they all began to prophesy. Here's the sad thing I noticed this morning. They only ever did it once. They only ever did it once, and they stopped. I thought, wasn't that sad? that instead of continuing in what they'd received, it stopped. Whoa. In other words, they got a buzz in the meeting and it didn't go any further. Whoa. So how do you receive? How do, what, what do you do to receive? And how, how can we do that? And uh, let me just show you how you can develop it. Then. Let me give you a few keys quickly. So, so in the meetings, there's a number of ways you can receive. Now, I want you to come to meetings really hungry. It all has to do with attitude and desire and preparation. Become hungry. Now, don't tell God what he's going to do or how to do it. Just come hungry for God. Come with a hunger burning. Because the Bible says those who are hungry, blessed are the hungry. Those who hunger and thirst, they will be filled. So hunger separates people out. Secondly, choose to believe that you will receive something. Choose to believe. I'm coming here for something. I will walk out after these two days a different person. You must exercise faith to believe. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it. You've got to position yourself believing to get something, okay? Now, how can it happen? It can happen a number of ways. Uh, number one, it can happen through laying on a hand. So there'll be certainly a, a fair amount of laying on a hands. Uh, you can get it that way through the laying on a hands. Timothy uh, received that way in 2 Timothy 1.6. Uh, it can be ju just by a word being spoken from the platform. In, uh, in Psalm 107, it said, he sent his word and healed them. In other words, all it took was a word, and in the word was an empowerment. 
It can happen just being in the atmosphere. Just being in the atmosphere, you can receive something without even getting up on an altar call. Just something comes around your life and you, sh you get delivered, you get healed. You can literally get a healing miracle just sitting there. In, in, the, uh, in the meetings in, in KL, three people were out of wheelchairs before the worship was over. So they got something just in the atmosphere of worship. So, so we need to, to prepare. So the spiritual atmosphere can alter and change us as we get in and hunger for God. It's not about the man, although a man is a part of it. It's about God coming to visit us and using a person to activate something in our lives. Get the idea? So uh, it can come through breathing and speaking a word over you. But there will be altar calls. And when there's an altar call, don't you sit around there wondering whether I'll go up. I'm telling you now, go up. <laughs> Run up. I, I want you first. Get up there first. Hungry. I've been in, in City Harvest Bible School. I can tell the people from China. Now you think, how can you tell the people from China in a room full of Chinese? Easy. Easy. Hunger. They're like this. Sticking their head out there. They're almost like ready to run out of the seat. All I had to do is get any indication I'm going to pray. And, oh, they're out of the seat and right up the front straight away. Just like that. And, and hungry. And then, of course, they get the power of God on them. So I've noticed that the, the power and presence of God will fall where there's hunger. So if you've been seeking God, if you've been prepared yourself, if you're hungry, God will come on you. And he will come and power on you. Tremendous power on you. So when God comes in power on you, just relax and receive it. Don't, just, I want this, I want Don't go into your head. That's not how you get anything from God. You walk away still in your head. Go there and just have an open heart, God, and just open now to receive whatever you have for me. Lord, I want to receive it. And what will you receive? When there's an impartation, you can receive a healing miracle. If there's an impartation, you can receive a deliverance. Man, I've prayed for Last meetings I've been out, pray for hundreds and hundreds. I've got no idea what I was praying for. Just the raw power of God was there. And when the raw power of God was there, people come up and tell me all kinds of things happened to them. They, they, they tell me all kinds of stories of, of how God had healed them and, and, and how their lives were changed. It's just extraordinary. So, so we, you, you don't really, you just come up there saying, God, I want you. And just relax and receive when something happens. There'll be someone to catch you, and if not, you'll fall on someone behind you, and they'll catch you. So don't worry. Don't worry about that. Just receive. Just be hungry to receive. Amen? So we'll receive something, and we want to receive an impartation. So what is, I'll just finish with this. It really is important to recognize in most instances what you receive is a seed that must be grown and developed. So if God brings an impartation to you, of faith or for miracles or for whatever it is or to activate the supernatural in your life, it comes as a seed. Now, a seed is not a tree, but a seed could become a tree if it was nurtured. And just like a baby is not a man, but it could become a man if it was nurtured and grown and developed and just given a bit of time and the right kind of food and exercise. Eh? The same for you. God will impart to you, and it won't yet appear as though there's much change. For some people, they notice the change immediately. Some people feel something, and uh, immediate feeling and sensation that something's imparted to them. Others, they may not feel much at all. doesn't mean nothing's been imparted. 
uh, it, it's got nothing to do with what you feel. You can feel all kinds of things. Some people, whoa, they shake and the, the fire is on them and you look and you think, man, oh man, looks like they're giving them 100,000 100, volts of electricity. <laughs> Get their fire light. Oh, I think it's great. More, give them more, Lord. You know, I think I love to see that, you know. I'd rather see that than someone standing there just bored, you know. I went, really? Can I come to see God touch lives? You know, let's get excited when God does something to someone. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. I saw in, in Taiwan, we had to, had to form a line to stop them running on the stage. They were all so hungry. They, they said, are the Chinese coming hungry? I said, believe me, they'll be hungry. All they need to do is see God come. And once they see God come, they'll run. And sure enough, we had to hold them all back because they were running the stage. It's just extraordinary. Just the power of God was everywhere to touch people. So we, we want that. So don't be do the Kiwi thing. I'll wait and see Anyone else going up? Don't, don't do that. Listen, forget about everyone else. You just run up there and get something from God. Just come hungry for God. Just get something from God. And then when you've got it, do something with it. Do something with what God gives you. Even Jesus grew in the supernatural. The first miracle of resurrection, the, the girl had been dead only a few minutes. And he had to get all the room clear of all the unbelievers. Then he got the atmosphere right, then it happened. The second one, uh, it'd be the person who died probably a few hours ago, the widow of Nain, the boy, and he was dead. And so there it was, the boy was dead. What are you going to do? Well, he raised him from the dead publicly. And then the last one, he sat it out for four days. That body is just beyond all hope. It's just done. It's not just dead. It's now broken down. You, no one's even, that's why they said, we said, roll away the stone. They said, no, no, Lord, it'll stink. Think. He said, roll it away. And his greatest miracle, resurrection miracle, and Lazarus rose and came forth. So even Jesus himself grew in the miracle realm. He moved from faith to faith, glory to glory. At the beginning of his miracles, he did a creative miracle. They turned water into wine. And then later on, later in his ministry, stood on a mountain and prayed, and his whole body changed to become transparent, full of glory. See, he moved from faith to faith, glory to He is the pattern. So wherever you are now, you've just got to receive something fresh from God and take what you receive and begin to develop it. And I'm going to run out of time now to show you how to develop it. I'll do that in another session. Show you how you develop what God has given you. There are some definite steps you take. There's a number of things you do. The thing that God has put in you starts to grow and expand and develop. You can move from having a touch of God to having a gift imparted. You can move from having a gift imparted to become known that you operate in that ministry of doing that. See, I received a touch from God and then people started to get delivered and I began to give myself to that and then now I'm known all over the world for that thing that people get delivered. See, it, it, because... <clears throat> I just took what God had given me and said, I, I'm not going to argue with God about what He chose to give. I just want to take it and put it to work and grow that gift and grow that mantle. Grow until it becomes something that touches lives and changes lives. We want to do that. As a church, we want to receive something powerful over this time. We want to receive it and then grow in it. And we want this place to be full of the presence of God, full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, full of miracles. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. Let's just stand right now. Holy Ghost, come on. Let's pray in the Spirit right now. Pray in the Spirit right now. 
We can flow to that song forever you will be. Come on, let's pray. I don't hear you praying. Come on, church. Let's raise our voice. Let's raise our voice together as Bay City. Bay City Church. We stand today in the Spirit. I speak into the Spirit world. Out of my apostolic office. I invite Apostle Maldonado and the Miami team into Hawkesbury, into New Zealand. Today I declare we receive the servants of God. We receive them into our midst. We receive you, Lord Jesus. We receive a fresh encounter. We receive a fresh touch of God. We receive a fresh impartation. We receive a shift as individuals in a church. Father, we give you the honor today. Lord, release your angels to make room in the Spirit that as Apostle comes, there will be an overflow of creative miracles, deliverances, healings. Let there be an activation of your church. Come on, church, let's sing. Come on, let's exalt him. Let's lift the name of Jesus. Young people, young people, I want you to come. Come across the front. Come and lift your hands up. I want you to come. Young people, young people, come on, respond. Thank you, Lord. Stay in the middle. Come, 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 come. Come on, don't just come in like brown cows. You run, run to the front. Say, God, I want you to touch me. I want you to touch me. I want you to touch me, Lord. We got all our young people here. Thank you, Jesus. Your presence is here. Your power is here. We're going to go back into that in a moment. You are the first up. So I'm going to prophesy over you. See what I'm telling you? You've got to run. You've got to listen. What God is on, you say, God, that's me. You either want to be in the front or you'll be right down the back. I can tell you now, the Spirit of God will move and there'll be an altar call. And if that's you, if it's got your name on it, you run. And I mean run, just run. Just leap out of your seat and make your way. All it takes is one or three, three, four or five to run. Everyone gets running. What you do is you create an excitement. You, you, you build an anticipation of God moving. See, Kiwis are, are very, 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 very slack for sitting back. And I'll wait and say, and they come in like Brown's cows. You know, they just dawdle along and think, what is that? Man, the King of Kings is coming to visit us. If he says, young people, I want to touch you. I want to impart to you. You run. You say, God, I am hungry. I'm running. Lay hands on me first. Give me the best. I want all you've got. See? Amen. Well, you come first. I'm going to prophesy over you. Then we're going to just flow back into prayer again, into worship. I'm going to lay hands. Young people, I want you just to receive from God today 
just a fresh fire of God, a fresh fire, a fresh fire, a fresh fire, that through this week, you're going to start to want to pray. You're going to start to want to seek God. You're going to start to have the fire of desire enkindled in your lives. God is wanting to encounter you. This time of this conference is a time of encounter for you. It's a time when some of your lives will change. Many of you will have leadership calls activated in your life. This is a time for you to prepare your heart, prepare your spirit, prepare yourselves for what God is about to do. God is about to come on you. He's about to release miracle ministry into the schools. He's about to release signs and wonders through your hands. I see some of you, and you're going to start prayer meeting in the school. You're going to start to call people together and pray. Pray for revival. Pray for the power of God. I see God coming on people, young people, using you powerfully. Come on, hunger, young people, hunger. God is raising you up. Jaden, God is raising you up. He sees your faithfulness. You're a person who works behind the scenes. You never promote yourself. In fact, you'd hold yourself back. But you've said, I will serve God. I will serve God. There's a call of God on your life. There's a leadership call of God on your life. God is raising you up. God is giving you favor. He will give you favor financially as you have sown your life, sown your gifting, sown your talent. God says He will restore to you a hundredfold and a hundredfold and a hundredfold. He will restore to you. He will cause a prospering to come about in your life. People come to you and say, what happened? How did you get so far ahead? You'll say, it was the Lord. I have served the Lord faithfully. I have kept myself. I have served God. I've served the house of God. I've served the men of God. And God has raised me up. God has given me favor and influence. God has opened opportunities for me that no man can deny it came from God. The Lord says, dream big, dream big, dream big, dream big. Start to connect to the desires of your heart. There are desires you have in your heart you've hardly been willing to come out to the open with. But the Lord says, dream, dream big because I'm taking you. I'm taking you to this place and that place. I'm going to put you on a mission trip. You'll see the power of God work through your own hands. And you'll say, God, this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to be a minister of the Spirit. I'm called to be a servant of God. You will rise up. You'll be known as a leader. You'll be known as one who brings the Word of God with the power of the Holy Ghost. God is with you. Father, touch, touch, touch. Power of God, touch you right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's continue to worship. Let's continue to worship the Lord. The storm was rolled away. Young people, lift your hands up. Start to expect God. Get ready to receive from Him. Get ready to receive from Him. Joy, where are you? Come and help me pray. David, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Ghost, come, 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 come. Fire, fire, fire of God. Thank you, Lord. Touch, touch, touch. God's raising you up. A witness. God's raising you up in a healing ministry. Miracles of healing. Thank you, Lord. Touch, 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 touch. Power of God touches Power, let the power of God come. Touch him, touch him. I see you standing, singing, leading worship. I see you rising in your spirit. The, the shine is going. You'll not be second, you'll be first. You'll be out in the front. The Lord says, I will raise you up. I'll put you in front of people because your heart is soft to me to serve me. Fire, 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 fire. Fire of God touches my
stay in the place of worship. Don't diminish. Don't diminish. Father, we stand against cancer. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority over the spirit of cancer and death. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Father, I command a creative miracle to take place. I command healing. I command healing. I command a miracle of healing in your body. A recovery. I command a restoration of the organ that's been damaged. I command recovery. No more. No more shall cancer come. We declare right now in Jesus' name. Release it right now. Touch, touch, touch. Touch, touch, touch. I rebuke every trace of that cancer. Touch, touch, Holy Ghost. I command healing. I speak into your body. I command restoration. I command healing to flow in Jesus' mighty name. Restore, restore, restore. Thank you, Lord. Touch, touch, touch. Touch, Lord, right Thank you, Lord. Father, touch. Touch, touch, touch. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come upon her right now. Come upon now, now, now. Be loose. Be loose in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Give me the honor. Have some other ministry team come up and pray. Oh, yes. Forever he is Come on, church. Lord, we exalt you. Father, we welcome a fresh visitation. Father, help us to build a place of habitation that your spirit might dwell, that your spirit might be here in power. Thank you, Lord. Come, 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 come. Fire, the fire of God touch your life. Fire right now. Father, touch, 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 touch. Touch your life. Touch, touch, touch. while we're in this atmosphere where God's presence is here. Is there any person here, not yet a Christian, any person here doesn't know Jesus Christ? This would be a great chance for you to receive Christ, for the Spirit of God to come into your life, to forgive you, give you a new start. I want to invite any person here today who's not yet a Christian. If you're not a Christian, want to give your life to Christ today, say, I want my life to count. I want purpose. I want to be connected to God. I'm coming to respond to Christ. Just as we sing this chorus one last time, would you make your way to the front? I want to lead you in a prayer to do that. If you brought someone who doesn't know Jesus, ask them to come up. Tell them you'll come up with them. Are we ready now? Come on, let's flow back into the chorus. God bless everyone. Let's believe for a great, great prayer meeting tonight. A great conference this coming weekend. Thank you, Lord. Fire, 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 fire. Let the fire of God burn. We just banish that cancer now. I forbid you to advance. I command you to part from her in Jesus' name. Forever he is Lord. 
give the Lord a clap. Jesus, we honor you. Jesus, we bless you. Jesus, we thank you. We are in anticipation of new things. We decree a new day beginning in Bay City. We decree a new day beginning in our lives. We decree a new day. Before it springs forth, we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.